Stand back with me one more time, please. Let's go to the book of Jude. We have, I think, two more lessons in this book. This could be the last night, but if I'm guessing, I'm going to say two more. Let's pick up in verse 17, please, here. Verse 17. We're shifting gears once again. He started off asking us to contend for the faith. He said, I desire to write about our common salvation, but the Holy Ghost would not let me. He wanted to write for us in 2018 that we will fight for the faith, the faith of God. And then he begins to describe that with the apostates and the apostates teaching. And I think I've done an adequate job. And more importantly, I think the Holy Ghost has done a great job of showing us what they say and also what they look like. And now the close this letter, he comes full circle and he reminds us once again to contend for the faith. Let's pick up there. But you, beloved, talking to us, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. How they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lust. These are sensual persons who cause divisions not having the spirit. But this is where I want to pick up tonight. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, the King James says that we build each other up on the holy faith. He says, praying in the Holy Ghost, verse 21, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, unto eternal life, and this is the main verse tonight, and on some have compassion, making a distinction or making a difference. One more verse. But others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. That one verse teaches the church how to separate the sin and the sinner, to pull the sinner out of the fire, but still despise the sin. If we have one trouble in the church world today, we cannot seem to get that right. We're either too far this way or too far that way. I'm gonna teach you on that hopefully tonight. One more verse, let me go ahead and finish that out. Verse 24, and it says in verse 24, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. How many are thankful tonight that he can still keep us through it all tonight, amen? I'm thankful that through all my situations, stupidity, carelessness, bad nights, good days, that I can come back to the rock that cannot break, amen? I can lay across him my author and the finisher of my faith. Would you stretch your hands with us tonight? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, tonight, I need you to teach tonight. My Myself is eager to get to verse 22 and 23. But to do that, God, I've got to set it up. So, Father, help me say what needs to be said. And then what does not, God, let me move from that, that we may hear the words of Almighty God and not the words of mortal man. And we can say it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. We have been warned constantly of what apostates look like and what apostate teaching sounds like. 
to do this now here at North Wahala would be folly upon all of us. There must be a mindset that above anything else we fight for, we fight for the truth of Almighty God. This word that I preach, you preach and teach in our Sunday school classes, in our kids' rooms, is worth fighting for. It's worth standing up and be counted for. And tonight, the, the writer comes full circle to remind us of that. He reminds us that we should fight for the faith and contend for the faith. If you remember the first lesson I told you, we fight for the wrong things. We contend for the wrong things. Things that are not eternal. Things that have no eternal ramification. I've seen church divided for less than those things. But the word of God, the word John 1 and 1, that we should fight for, churches today are trading it because they want to fill themselves with what sounds good, what looks good, what tastes good. They don't want any type, boundary, sanctification, amen? Any type, the word holiness is an ugly word. And I'll come back to you tonight to tell you that if North Wahala has been here for 104 years, if we're gonna just keep marching to 105, we've gotta preach the word of Jesus Christ without compromise. Can somebody say amen tonight? So the writer closes out this letter to strengthen us once again. Yes, to contend, but it's almost like that closing letter where he wants to not only remind, but he wants to give you that ammunition that you need to get up in the morning and know that I might not can do it on my own power, but by the help of the Holy Ghost, I can make it through any storm that the enemy puts before me. He gives us a couple things to help us with this. First of all, he says, I want you to build yourselves up. If you'll pull that verse up for me please build yourselves up he was saying I want you to establish yourselves get deep roots Colossians 2 whatever is established and rooted Paul told the church at Colossae because nothing can bear fruit unless it has deep roots if it doesn't have deep roots it will sprout quickly but die quicker. It's like those who build on what? The sand. There's no deep roots. He wants us to get deep roots in God and his word that we might be established. That the foundation that we base everything on is so sure that no matter what comes our way, we're not gonna fall because Jesus Christ is a sure foundation. The Bible says there's no other foundation that can be laid than the foundation that's already been laid. What he's simply saying is this, that the God that has done the sufficient work, the sufficient work is still sufficient. That's good by itself right there. He's saying that there needs to be no other prophet to come. There doesn't need to be another revelation. There doesn't have to have another prophetic word. That that we have been given was good enough for North Walhalla 104 years ago. It was good 30 years ago. It was good 10 years ago and 10 years from now that foundation will still be here when every wind and doctrine has blown against it the church will still be the church because it's a sure foundation tonight he says I want you to build yourselves up I want you to build each other up. Don't tear down, but build them up. But don't just build them up with anything. Build them up with the word of God. Teresa called me yesterday. Teresa's a part of our church. She's been coming almost two years now. She brings her babies to church, little baby Mason. We prayed for all our children Sunday night. We pray that God would watch them, keep them, put them in the right place, build a hedge about them. If they're in a wrong place, take them out. 
and put them in the right place. She has been trying to uh, secure adoption fully and the door has been shut. But it just so happened yesterday. It just so happened that all of a sudden the, the lawyer doesn't understand, but they called her and said things have changed. We don't understand why on the other side, but the paperwork is being drawn up now. He will be officially yours as soon as the paperwork comes in. We don't know what happened, but something has changed. I know what happened. God is still God. And I know there are churches in our community that say God cannot do it and his power has diminished and there's no such thing as miracles. I don't believe in fleshly miracles, but I still believe he's the God that can move the mountains and do the impossible in the name of Jesus Christ. He says, build each other up. And then secondly, he says, I want you to pray in the spirit. I don't want to stay long here because I feel like we as a Pentecostal church, we understand this. But I want to give you two sides of the coin quickly. The problem is in the modern church world, non-Pentecostals will fight you so strong because they're afraid of that word tongue, okay? They're afraid of the Romans eight word groaning. They don't want to talk about that. But then on the other side in the Pentecostal world, we don't want to recognize, even though we practice, that everything, every time we're led by the Spirit, it doesn't necessarily come through a tongue and interpretation. It does come that way. I'll defend that. We see that practice here in our church. Paul was very clear in 1 Corinthians 14. He says, I speak in tongues more than anybody here. He said, and I believe tongues are, bring great edification to the church. But he also said what? I'd rather have five words of understanding in the church, understand, because tongues are supposed to be assigned to an unbeliever, but that's a different lesson. So what I want to show you by praying in the Spirit, praying in the Spirit also means to be moved by the Spirit. As Pentecostals, we still believe that God moves us to pray for certain things. I believe most definitely that many times once I am moved, I pray in tongues in my private life more than I ever had in a church service. But I also believe that the Holy Ghost will move you to pray for something two times in my child's life. Two different distinct times that my child, the enemy, tried to come in. One, a man that was a Baptist man who prayed in the spirit called me in Columbia and said, I don't know why, but yesterday afternoon, I was praying for your child. This past General Assembly on Thursday night, the Holy Ghost woke me up out of the bed. I woke up Jessica and I said, I don't know right now, but I'm telling you that we've got to pray for my child, our child. And we started praying. I said, I know that I know that I know the Holy Holy Ghost has moved me to pray for him. We prayed. Oh, the next day when we got home, we pulled him aside. We didn't kill him because it became a great teaching moment. I said, hey, I've got to ask you something, son. I said, last night, last night about such and such time in a such and such way, the Holy Ghost moved me to pray for you. Son, can you just give me something? And tears begin to flow out of his eyes. Let me tell you something tonight. The reason we can stay connected to God and be built up and established 
is because when we don't even know when to pray or how to pray, there is still a person, the third person of the triune God who is watching over us and watching over our children and watching over our grandchildren. And when we don't even know why we're going to pray for Audrey or pray for Aiden or pray for Deborah, the Holy Ghost will say to us, you don't have to know, but I need you to get up right now and just intercede just for a little while. I come to preach to somebody tonight. Quit hitting the snooze button. Quit turning off God. Quit throwing the Bible over in the corner. If the Holy Ghost tells you to get up, get up in the name of Jesus Christ and go to a prayer closet and pray until he tells you to stop praying. Don't tell me he stopped. Don't tell me it ceased. You can't tell me that after two times of God proving himself. He will move this church to prayer. What you don't know, Brother Tony knows him and I. I've asked him not to do. He's over our prayer deacons. I don't want to do a traditional church revival for the fall. Tony and I have been in prayer. We're going to announce this Sunday morning that we believe in the month of October. We're going to do a special three-night prayer revival where we come to this place and we consecrate ourselves before the Lord on night one. On night two, we do warfare. We have a couple songs and then we go into warfare and we start praying for our children, our grandchildren, and this community like never before. Then on night three, we show back up in the spirit of prayer and we just give God praise for what's about to happen. I don't know who I've got to press this to get you to believe this again, but the DNA of the North Walhalla Church of God has always been prayer, the preaching of the word, and the moving of the spirit. I don't care how you package it. I don't care if we got to wear ties or a button up shirt, but it still must be that same DNA. If we're going to move this community to a breakthrough, to get meth out of this community, to turn houses upside down, to go back to my original vision when I came here, that the Holy Ghost showed me houses all over Ocona County on fire up in the presence of the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, it will not be done by cute preaching, but it will be done through the power of prayer when we realize we can't do it without the help of the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Spirit. It means we're moved by prayer. It means we're guided by prayer. And it also means that once we're moved and we're guided by prayer, He will take us to a place of prayer that when we don't even know what to pray for, He will pray through us. There are three groanings in Romans chapter eight. Creation groans. The earth itself groans. And he says that the Holy Ghost will groan through us. There's been times in my greatest prayers, which is probably still the weakest area of my life, I admit that openly. I pray more now than ever, but it's still my weakest area. I'll run to the word at times and I need to go to the prayer first. I'm being honest with you. But you cannot convince me. You will never convince me. Because there's been times I've gone to a prayer closet and did not know what to pray. But myself would begin to groan on the inside, sometimes without words, sometimes with groanings that could be heard, other times stammering lips. Preacher, God's not in that. You tell that to Hannah. You just didn't walk where Hannah had walked. I love the people who haven't walked in our moccasins trying to tell us what God did in us and didn't do in us. 
after God's already rewarded us. And if I can get you convinced tonight to stay away, let me stay, let me stay in context of the scripture from apostate teaching, apostate doctrine, and from false preachers, you stay built up and established. And you stay in a spirit of prayer. You won't be caught by every wind and doctrine that blows. I know some places preach against Pentecost and his power because of the foolishness that, that they've seen. And I agree with that. There's been some foolish things that have been done up under the umbrella of Pentecost. That was not true Pentecost. But you show me a church that's operating in prayer and in fasting. You show me a prayer room that we walk in and you hear women travailing and groaning as Hannah did. You show me lips stammering of people that are crying out their eyes before the Lord for God to keep them unspotted from the world, for God to save their children and save their grandchildren, for God to bring a revival fire back to the house of the Lord that will pull the sinner in. And I'll show you a church that has not given itself to false teaching and false doctrine. I, I, I won't get to verse 22. Can I press this a little more tonight? Can we do that? And the praying of the Spirit, if you go back to Romans, by praying in the Spirit, we recognize that we are not and that He is. By praying in the Spirit, we admit our flaws. We admit our humanity. We admit our lack of knowledge. And we also admit our dependency upon Him. So tomorrow, your job, when the Holy Spirit pulls you aside and says, April, just pray for me. Pray for 10 minutes for, for Anna. We need not question that. Is that me? Is that the devil? The devil is never going to tell you to pray for your child. Is the devil telling me to fast for my child's salvation? God is pulling you. And what we must do is recognize that we cannot, but he can. And that spiritual prayer life of praying in the spirit, moved, guided, and then the supernatural is God showing up on our behalf and saying, I'm a sure thing, son, and I can work this out. When I woke you up to pray for your child, I was just letting you know that I was already three steps ahead of you. When you were in Orlando, I was in Wahala, and I'm letting you know I've got this under control. We need to go back and adopt the motive of Acts. If it seemeth good to the Holy Ghost, then it seemeth good to us. Acts 8, excuse me, Romans 8, 26 says, the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we don't know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself does what? Intercedes with groanings that are too deep for words. That intercession that is done by the Spirit is what's gonna keep you unspotted from the world. Brother Nolan, I went to a, to a prayer closet and I didn't even know what to say. Let God pray through you. Don't be afraid to pray. Well, I heard some preacher say one time that if I cry, it was out of order. If I pray in groanings, it's out of order. If the Holy Ghost is fighting on your behalf and you're not doing it for show, you're in your prayer closet, don't worry about what some preachers say. If God is doing it, Romans 8 and 26 says, it is him interceding for you because you don't know what to pray for. Why? Because the Holy Spirit helps our what? Our 
weaknesses. Jude says to stay unspotted, the weaknesses that we have will overtake us unless we're praying in the Spirit. It's hard to pray in the Spirit and cuss somebody out at the same time. If they can do that, then we need to test the spirits. But the Spirit, oh, I'm not preaching perfection, but I am preaching a third person who is a gentleman who will fight for you. Let me push it a little bit further. Verse 27, the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, and he searches the hearts, knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints, what? According to the will of God. Jude was saying the will of God is for us not to preach false doctrine. Jude was saying the will of God is for us not to use grace as a license to sin. Jude was saying the will of God is not to look like a cloud, but yet not have water. That's what he said apostates look like. You remember that? They have the appearance of good, but they have no value. They yield nothing. Jude was saying that this is what's going on. So when we didn't understand that, he was saying the will of God is these things. So when you've been praying lately and you were crying uncontrollably for your child and the situations with your spouse and you didn't know what was going on, can I suggest tonight? It was the Holy Spirit praying about the weaknesses you have back to himself, recognizing that he is trying to perfect, confirm, and for you to see and do the will of God, which will bring profit to your life, your family, and also this church. Amen. Let's just skip over that. Nobody wants to talk about that. No one just jump right over praying. You cannot. You cannot get to the mercy. You cannot get to the mercy. You can't get to compassion. Because when you go on the street like Baltimore, and I know Audra prays, I, I doubt that not. But she can't wait to get there because the enemy will be so strong in that environment, it will overtake her. Oh, but when you prayed up and the Holy Ghost does what he did in the book of Acts chapter 16, when he told Paul, Paul, don't go that way, but I do want to go that way. Paul, I'm not going to let you go that way, but I do want you to go to Europe and it's going to change Western civilization as we know it forever. See, the Spirit of God already knows the mind of God. What he's trying to do is perfect that in your life. Brother Nola, I don't know what to do with my life. Just get along with God and start praying and let God go to work in your life. Brother Nola, what about my child? Let God give you peace about your child. You don't have to see their salvation to rejoice about their salvation. If the Holy Ghost has gave you a divine word, you stand on that divine word. Let me give you one more, one more thing about this tonight. When it speaks about these weaknesses and praying in the spirit, the word that we get is the word that is called helps. It means that someone is carrying a heavy load for you. It's only used one other time in scripture and it was with uh, Mary and Martha. When, when she looks at Mary and says to Jesus, can't you get her to help me? I've been cooking and cleaning for you and your ministry team all day. She was saying to Jesus, I need some help to carry this heavy burden. When you pray in the spirit, that's what Jude is trying to let you know. You're getting help to carry that 
heavy burden. Too many churches are trying to do the work of the Lord without the help of the Lord. Oh, I want us to grow. I, I, I want us, if we need new carpet, put new carpet. I want all that. I want to win the loss, but you hear me. If we're not praying, we will get burned out. If we're not praying, you'll be tired one Saturday or Sunday and you'll have words with a fellow church member just because you're weak and you're tired because the enemy will come at your weakest moment. But when you ask God for help and you say, Lord, I'm going to my prayer closet before I go to the pulpit. I'm going to my prayer closet before I go teach on Sunday morning. I'm going to my prayer closet before I work in the nursery. Hello? When you do that, you're asking God to carry your Burden. And can I tell you, his ear is not deaf and his arm is still not short tonight. He can hear us and he can reach out and respond to us. You think a praying mama's powerful? You let a praying mama get a hold of God and let the Holy Ghost go to work on her behalf. We must pray in the spirit. Look to your neighbor and say, pray in the spirit tonight. I've got 11 minutes. Let, let, let me just, just press it press a little bit more. Secondly, it says, keep yourself in the love of God. It's very important here. We must be diligent to make sure we're in the place of experiencing God's love. Listen to me real quickly. To stay away from an unspotted, unspotted doctrine. If somebody comes to me and say, pastor, God's taking us to a new ministry. And we, we have prayed, we have fasted, we prayed, we have fasted, we prayed, we have fasted. I can entertain that. But too many decisions are based not on prayer and fasting, they're based on emotional weak moments. And when you base decisions on emotional weak moments, you end up going back to verse 11, which talked about Cain, Balaam, and Korah. Are you listening? Here's my point. For us to keep ourselves in the love of God, we've got to stay in the place of the love of God. Hear me. If you're not doing today what you did when you were at the most on fire for God, don't make a decision. Mm. So if you used to come to church a lot and now you only come twice a year, don't make, make a decision to change who you are. Well, I'm gonna leave the church of God. I'm gonna start my own ministry. You, you, you've not been in the place. Brother Nolan, the love of God is everywhere. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. But let me ask you something. How many of your co-workers today broke down the book of Jude for you? Just asking. How, how many, I'm, I, I, know there, I know there's some, but how many of your co-workers today, let's, let's take it a step further. How many of your cousins, aunts and uncles called you the other day and you and them had a 30 minute discussion on about praying in the spirit? See, that really doesn't happen. That's why the Bible said, forsake not the assembling of yourself together, especially as you see that day approaching. We sharpen each other. We edify each other. We operate in the spirit. Spiritual gifts are in operation. Are you listening? Spiritual gifts are in operation. And then we send each other out. He's taking a team out Sunday night to DAR. We're taking another team out to visit every shut-in. We're going to do the ministry of God. That's what happens when a church prays fast and keeps itself in the love of God. See, when you're in the love of God, you don't quit a church because somebody didn't shake your hand. Because in the love of God, you recognize he loved me while I was still lost. 
So I don't have time to get mad because you didn't shake my hand because I'm in love with God so much, I don't want to go the way of Cain, which was that hatred spirit. You get somebody with a hatred spirit, that's a, that's a deadly spirit. When they can't make anybody happy because they're not happy themselves. Philippians, they have no joy. That's, that's dangerous. That's the Cain spirit. Doesn't mean they're bad. What did God tell Cain? That's the book of Jude, by the way. Verse, I believe it's verse 11. He told Cain, you know what to do. Just do the right thing and I'll receive it. God's not trying to hit us over the head with a hammer, but he is trying to get us to walk in the spirit, pray in the spirit, be established and keep ourselves in the love of God. If not, it's not just Cain, it's Balaam. How many people that now once started serving God because he was good to them, but, but they can't do it now unless they get something, get gift from it. Listen, some of my best ministry was when I didn't know how to do ministry. I told Anthony that this week we were talking about ministry. Some of my best ministry was probably when I was a youth pastor and I didn't know what I was doing. You understand? Because back then, every night, we found a revival somewhere. We just wanted to be in revival. I didn't know that Church of God and Methodists couldn't worship together. Hello? I didn't know that Church of God and Presbyterians couldn't worship together. We just started. Got in trouble one time because we started a prayer meeting and churches that were dead dry, they started leaving their churches coming to a Monday night prayer meeting. Had pastors getting mad. I didn't know that. We just started praying. And then when they found out that it was an African-American young preacher and a young crazy Holy Ghost field preacher, oh, they did get mad. I didn't know that either. Are you listening? Caswell Grant, still preaching the gospel today. That we started a prayer meeting. Me and him a long time ago didn't know what we were doing. We were too young to know what we were doing. And they still that prayer meeting is still going today. Are you listening? Did not know about that. See, but if you're not careful, when you step out of the love of God and you only come to church because you don't want to make mama mad, Oh, you're in trouble because then you'll be like Balaam. I'll go to that church if they'll let me sing in the choir. And then thirdly, he says, Cor, Cor is that envying spirit. Cor is that spirit that says, I want what you have. Instead of realizing God's blessed you, just keep doing the will of God. See, when we operate outside of the love of God, we do these things for the wrong reasons. And when we do them for the wrong reasons, We've got to go back to our first love. If you ever, and I mean this, and I know somebody's going to disagree, but hear me out. If a person's ever backslid on the Lord and came back, nine times out of ten, I find that those people are some of the most gentle, humble people because they feel so bad. They're like Simon Peter when he says, I'm going fishing. I don't know who I'm preaching to right now. But it's like when Simon says, I'm going fishing. I made a mistake. Jesus comes to him, and you know John 21, he's sitting on the seashore. He's got some fish on there. They've told all night, which reminds of Luke 5. They come back, and he hollers, hey, you caught any fish? No. Try the other side. While they were busy pulling in the net, Simon says, I don't even have time to get my coat. I've been away too long from my king. If I ever get too big for my britches, and I know that's not proper English in a church this size or pulpit, but that's about as plain as I can make it. Then God deal with my crooked heart. Because when it becomes more about me than the kingdom, I have failed him. 
He said, do you love me? Yeah, Lord. Simon, do you love me? Yeah, Lord. Simon, do you love me? Yes, Lord. You know all things. Son, just feed my sheep. I care, God. I failed you, son. Just feed my sheep. Son, just feed my sheep. But God, how? When I leave, you go wait in the room. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. You go wait in a room, son, for a promise that I told you would come. You won't know the time or the hour, but you will know when he comes. And all of a sudden, the Bible said there came a sound as a rushing mighty wind that filled all the house as they were sitting. And it filled every one of them and baptized them. And cloven tongues as a fire set upon their head. Men started saying, these men are drunk. But one person stood up. It was that preacher that went away from God for a while. He stood up and said, these men are not drunk as ye suppose. Seen this but the third hour of the day, but this is what was prophesied by the prophet Joel, saying the last day, saith God, I pour my spirit out on all flesh. Let me tell you something. You keep yourself in the love of God. You say, Brother Neil, I'm not where I once was. I don't have any stones in my hand, my friend. I love you. I'm your pastor. I'm honored. Only thing I tell you now, get back, get back, get back. Get back on fire with God. Come up back up on the umbrella. Come back up on the umbrella. Get back on fire. Pray like you used to. Read the Bible like you used to. Go to your prayer closet and pray until God shows up. Visit like you used to. Tell somebody about Jesus once again because if you will stay madly in love with God, you will not be madly in love with this world. Would you stand with me please all over the house? If you see I didn't get to verse 22 tonight. Next week, we'll pick up there and talk about how to win the lost and those who have turned their back on God. Leadership of the church, we have a hard time. We just don't know what to do sometimes. And I'm guilty. I really am. Because we try certain things. I'm going to teach us next week what the scripture says. And I know, listen to me, I, I, I know this is not the bells and whistles of some pulpits. I get that. But I absolutely love Wednesday nights because we're going verse by verse of what the word says. So that way when somebody says, what did your preacher teach on last night? You say, he taught from the word and this is what it says. Keep yourself in love with God. When you do, the blessings of God will flow down to you. In my closing prayer tonight, I, just right where you're standing, I just want you to pray this prayer with me. If you feel like you've drifted at all, I, I'm not judging you. I'm your pastor, I love you. But I want you to pray with me tonight. I say, Father, let that fire rekindle. Brother Nolan, I've said some things. I have too. There's not a person in this house that hasn't said something at some time that they wish they wouldn't have said it. And if they tell me that they've never said anything like that, I, I want to talk to you after church. Brother Nolan, I looked at something sometime. You're not the only one. Brother Nolan, I thought a bad thought. You're not the only one. Pastor, I'm not in church like I, listen, we've all been there. Nobody's judging you tonight. But Jews reminding you to come back. Get back up under that umbrella where the love just flows. Don't get caught up on what's, 
everybody's opinion and this and that. Just come back to your first love of God. Well, it didn't matter what they said down the road here or there. You were just glad to know Jesus Christ. That's what's going to matter tonight. Father, I've taught your word tonight. and I feel like, God, I, I told you, I thought we would just move right into 22 and 23. And as you see, once again, what I don't know and how my weaknesses is greater in my body than the strength that I know in you. And I recognize that fully. I'm so glad this good crowd tonight that have come to hear the word. In my closing prayer, I want them to be established. I want them to have a prayer life. It doesn't mean they have to be the loudest. It doesn't mean they gotta pray four hours a day. But I want our people to develop a prayer life where they get in that closet and they wait on the Lord. Also, Father, lastly, teach us about abiding in your love. People that are in love with you, they don't want to get close to the edge of hell and talk about the grace of God. Oh, I'm thankful for it, Father. But when we're madly in love with you, as we are our spouses, we don't get right to the edge of adultery and then say, I'm glad I didn't do that. But when we're, when we're dating each other and pursuing each other and keeping each other first, we stay away from that because we want to please each other. May that be the ambition of the church tonight. Father, I pray tonight, God, that we would just be so madly in love with you, we don't get bogged down by these things that don't even matter. Be with God's people tonight. There are some, Father, who've lost loved ones that are weighing on their heart tonight. And I pray that the God of all comfort would comfort them. There are some at the hospital right now. We pray for Joe Singleton, who's having tests. We also pray for his wife, whose uncle is at the point that he needs a miracle. We pray for Brittany Gosnell tonight, who's requested prayer. Father, there's others who have called in that my mind's just slipping right now. Mary Alice and Robert, Father, we pray for them tonight. We pray for Essie Chapman. We spoke with her today, God, in prayer. We pray for these good saints. Pray for Ray Addis tonight, God, is just weak in body. We pray for this good man of God tonight. Be with your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Before you greet each other, before you leave, we are in need of some nursery workers. Now that school is starting back, some of our workers are also having to be across the road. So if you are someone who would like to, are you interested in being a nursery worker? We do vet that process. There is a background check. If you will let either Lisa know in the office or Miss Brittany Gosnell, we will greatly appreciate it. Hug three people, shake two hands. God bless you. Please go by and see Miss Audrey. Welcome her back to North Walhalla and have a discussion with her about Baltimore. God bless you.